Oh, did you have you ever uh, watched like the um, Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion? Mm-hmm. No. No. Dude, they made a remake of it. And like the original one was so perfect. And like like nobody asked the, for it and then I found out they're like I think it's going to be a box office flop. It's like I haven't seen any advertisement for it. Like nobody asked for it. Nobody asked for the remake. And then they just did it and now they're like, "Oh, it's probably not going to make a bunch of money." Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> we need to stop with the remakes. Of stuff that doesn't need to be remade. I mean, but look at it this way. People love a good, like, nostalgic moment. Except for now, it's like... Yo, but I want... Like, I don't want the, the like, give me a new version of it. Like, just like just put the Haunted Mansion, the Eddie Murphy one, in theaters and I'll go watch it. Yeah, you're right. Or just, like, boost the HD or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, like, there's so many things, and, like, that was, too, like, my thing, because somebody said, like, oh, the Haunted Mansion's not going to do well in theaters, and I was like, yeah, well, but if they're just putting the Haunted Mansion in theaters in July, that's probably a bad call, like, it's a a Halloween movie, like, you do that middle of October for two weeks, mm -hmm. Mm mm-mm, nah, they made a whole new movie with Jamie Lee Curtis and Danny DeVito and it looks like it stinks. Man, I don't I it's 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 hard to do remakes because it's like you want to throw a budget behind it and you want to throw a bunch of special effects and all of that stuff and it's like it takes away from what actually made the movie like so really good. good in the first place. Yeah. Like You know what? I will I think, tell you though. I am going to watch Zoe 102. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to watch Zoe 102. Electric. That movie yeah. looks electric. I saw the poster uh, and I was like, this shit looks like it's going to stink. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, this might be good. I have to watch the trailer again because I was a Zoe 101. Ooh. I, I know, know you, you see, see me standing, standing here. here. Do I look, Do I look good, my, good dear? my dear? Do I look good, I look good today? today? Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ow, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. I was a big Zoe 101 fan, so loved Zoe 101. That she, she broke that ruined my childhood. That baby ruined my childhood, man. Man, and I wanted. Remember when the like her daughter got in a car crash and almost died? In real life, did you hear about that? The only no. reason I heard about it because the only tweet that I saw about it was somebody said like that. That kid better survive or else we lost Zoe 101 for nothing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's alive. She's alive and well. I think. I don't know. Jamie Lynn Spears is her mom, so probably not well. But But she she came back with Zoe 102. That's crazy, man. Her her life's work. Imagine being a grown-ass woman and, like, you having to make a show that you made when you were 16 years old. Yeah, because that's like the coolest thing you've ever done in your entire life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And being a being a celebrity would be being a child celebrity would be the probably the most brutal thing in the world, bro. I can't like I've kind of come to a point where it's like even in sports when I hear like people with steroids. It's like, man, like, I was never offered it, so I don't know if I would have said no. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I was never given the the opportunity to turn it down, so I can't say that I would never do it. Because, like, Mm. situationally, where I was, if I thought it was going to help me, and I was, you know, had a good salesman in front of me, he said, you're never going to get caught. Would I have done it? I don't know. But I was never put in that <laughs> position, so I can't judge people who were and chose to make themselves better. Like, is yes, it sir. wrong? Yes. But I can't judge them too hard because I was never in that situation. Yeah. Oh, I would have been fucked re- up if I was a like child star actor, yeah. had all that money. Yeah. I was looking at Macaulay Culkin, like, literally, probably like 30 minutes ago. I was looking at him. I didn't know he was married to... Brenda Song. Brenda, yeah, Brenda yeah. Song. 
London yeah. trip, dude. Yeah. With multiple kid, children. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is it multiple? Two. I thought they just had one. Wow. It's like, bro, they don't even live real lives. Uh-uh. All right, you good to go? Yeah. All right. Just Jack and Alfred with you from the House of CFLD. Eating them raw guys tapped out this week. Malcolm's hanging out in BC. But, Alfred, uh, there was just three games on the Canada Day schedule this weekend. Starting in the nation's capital, the Ottawa Red Blacks taking on the Edmonton Elks. And a lot of people thought that this was going to be a good game because you have the two bottom teams, two winless teams, so somebody had to win a game eventually. Um, there was a lot of hope in Edmonton with Jared Daggy coming in. And then the Ottawa Red Blacks trounce the Edmonton Elks 26 to 7 on their home field um really when Edmonton got their seven points the game was at a reach um and we've heard that Taylor Cornelius will get the start on Thursday night against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in week nice. number five so you know your guy Corndog's back was not a good <laughs> outing for Jarrett Daggy. did not look good through three interceptions uh Ottawa rolled this week uh what were your thoughts on our first game of the weekend um, you know, Ottawa, Ottawa might be a, a little sleeper team in the uh, the East right now because they got Jeremiah Mazzulikian coming back this week. And, you know, they they played well. Tyree Ab Adams, Tyree Adams didn't look terrible. He didn't look like the worst quarterback we've ever seen. Like He was not the worst quarterback in the game. No, he was not. And we've seen, like... The worst, probably like play. we've seen some terrible quarterback play, and Tyree Adams did not play terrible. He played pretty good, and he, you know, he got he got these guys a commanding win, um, and it's that's good momentum going into next week because, like I said, Jeremiah Mazzoli's back, and now we get to really see what this team is about. So I think it was a great win for Ottawa, um, Edmonton. Ugh, my goodness, a mess, a mess, a mess, a mess. Um, yeah, like they they put Trey Ford on the roster this week though. You know, he's on the roster okay, this week. Okay, so I wanted I want to talk to you about the comments that uh Chris Jones made last week about Trey Ford. Uh so he made them to Dave Campbell of uh Ched 6 630 Ched, I believe, is the radio station in Edmonton that carries the Elks games. Uh Morley Scott and uh Dave Campbell call the games. So Morley Scott announced on uh Thursday the depth chart for the Elks, which was uh, Jarrett Daggy, Taylor Cornelius as the backup, and then Khalil Tate, who was, uh, he's been there, but he was new to the roster this week. Um, he was going to be the third quarterback. And so I put out a tweet uh, uh, reacting to Morley's tweet about how, um, you know, I'm going to keep asking about Trey Ford until we get an answer because we really didn't get an answer. And Morley co-tweeted it with a link to an interview uh, with Chris Jones and Dave Campbell, uh, where Dave asked Chris about uh, Trey's availability, um, about why he wasn't on the roster, like what was the situation with Trey Ford. And essentially, like paraphrasing the answer, Chris Jones said, <laughs> um, he's a good quarterback, he's a good kid. Uh, if we could just dress three quarterbacks, which they did, uh, we would dress Trey Ford. Uh, but you have to be able to keep your offense on the field. Um, so you need a short yardage quarterback, which is what they use Khalil Tate for. I, I mean, like you look at, at BC, like they probably have the best short yardage quarterback in the league in uh, Dominic Davis, who is in Montreal. Hey, last year. about Montreal now, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, like we're we're just at a point where it's frustrating because Khalil Tate at points didn't get the the short yards like like there was one <laughs> where i think ottawa was offside but it was a guy who didn't affect the play and edmonton didn't get the first down and it was just like like you're telling me trey ford couldn't have gotten that or couldn't have been given an opportunity to get that yard you know and it, it's just so frustrating because we saw flashes of him be really good last year we saw him win a game last year and now it all gets thrown out the window because he got hurt. Like, he lost his spot because he got hurt, and now it feels like on the surface he's not getting the opportunity to go back in, but it's not like somebody's taken the spot and run with it. Like, they've left more on the table 
uh, to to get the spot. So, you know, I, I don't understand why he hasn't been given a chance. We'll see what happens against Saskatchewan this week. Jared Deggie essentially got the whole game against Ottawa. Um, again, Tate went in for some short yardage stuff. Um, I don't think Taylor Cornelius threw the ball at all. Um, no, he didn't. Jared Deggie was the only one who threw the football last week. Um, so we'll see what happens, but your your boy Corndog is is going to be back in that quarterback. What did you think about the Chris Jones comments about uh, Trey Ford and the quarterback situation? Well, it just sounded like a headache, really. Honestly, it just sounded like it just didn't make any sense at all. Like at this point, at this point, it just seems like they don't want to play him. But also, it's like, is he a project? Say he's a project. If he's a project, then let it be known that he's a project. You know, like, he's still in build mode. Like, they still need to evaluate him a little bit more. If that's the if that's what he is, then let it be known. Instead of just like, oh, yeah, we need a short yardage QB and Trey Ford's not really a short yard. Like, what is that? That's not an answer, like, at all. So, yeah. Just like, well, if, and- if he's... If he's a year away, just say he's a year away. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, put Something. him in the game. Like, yeah. Like. Right? Like, give us an actual answer. And and that was, like, so you, uh, we posted the clip on House CFL's Instagram page. And all the comments was, he, he just said a lot. Like, it was a it was a minute-long answer. But he didn't really say anything. One of, the, one of the big pieces that I, you know, somebody sent me, um, somebody who's, you know, in the league but not in Edmonton, um, said, you know, you used a first-round pick on this kid, right? Like, and you're not giving him first-round treatment. How many first-round picks in the CFL do you know who get treated the way Trey Ford's been treated in Edmonton? Well, there's not many first-round QBs, though, so. Well, but, like, but, but even <laughs> if, if, if Chris Jones was as die-hard about Trey Ford as his first-round pick in Josiah St. John, you know, Trey would Trey could go eight of forty for twelve yards and seventeen interceptions, and Chris Jones would still put him in the game, right? Like that's how much he's ride or die behind Josiah St. John. But when it comes to his first round pick, a pick that he made in Trey Ford, nope, we're gonna run with the corn dog. We're gonna run with Jarrett Daggy. We're gonna run with Khalil Tate. So Tate's gonna be out this week. Trey Ford's gonna be in. I'm. <laughs> We're four weeks into the season. I'm already sick about talking about the situation in Edmonton. And it's frustrating because it's not the defense that's the problem. Like, the defense arguably does enough to help, like, to give you a chance to win a game. You're talking about a defense. They Like, if you hold Ottawa to 26 points, realistically, I mean, until, like, the fourth quarter, like, late in the fourth quarter, they held them to 19 points. You should be able to win a football game if your defense only gives up 19 points. So, you know, your, your problems lie on offense, and it's quite clearly a mixture of the offensive line play and the quarterback play in Edmonton that's stopping them from being successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, their O-line situation is not really too good at all as well, but, like, the most important position on the field is quarterback and they they don't they still don't have a quarterback and they just they're playing you know tic-tac-toe with Daigie and and, and Cornelius I think Cornelius is taking short yardage this week too <laughs> he's he's starting and doing short yardage so not Trevor is not even going to get in the game unless Taylor Cornelius absolutely just poops the bed like unless he absolutely just plays out of his mind, six picks in the first quarter. I don't see Trey Ford even touching the field. They're just doing it to make everyone stop talking, you know? So, yeah, which and is kind of funny. It's going to be, you know, it feels like it's going to be a tough year in Edmonton. It already is through the first couple weeks of the season. I feel bad for Elks fans, especially the ones who still show up and have been showing up um, and support this team. You know, like, good, good for them. Everybody goes through the highs and lows. Um, but this sucks, and it sucks for the league to have a team that's in this position. Uh, congrats to Ottawa, and congrats on getting Jeremiah Masoli back this week. Um, Red Blacks win 26-7. to Let's move to our second game. Uh, rainy day in Montreal on Canada Day. 
Uh, the Montreal <laughs> Alouettes hosting the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, fresh off that beating from the BC Lions, 30-6 to the week before. Winnipeg goes into Montreal and wins 17-3. to um, Don't put up a big number on offense, but stop Montreal in their tracks. It was rainy, it was wet, weren't able to throw the ball a whole bunch, uh, but the Bombers get back on the right track, and Montreal loses their first game of the season. Yeah. I mean, Winnipeg looked like Winnipeg. They didn't score a lot. Um, but they definitely look like Winnipeg. You know, they ran the ball really well. They 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 won the the battle in the trenches, and you know, guys got open. Like it it just it was an all around good you know performance for them. Again, they didn't score that much. It was maybe because of the weather, maybe because of the delay, whatever it may have been. But they also didn't have Dembski, and I'm pretty sure Agudosi wasn't playing it either. But and they still don't have Lawler either, which is crazy. But, yeah, they look pretty good, pretty solid, you know, pretty solid win. And they, what, was it six six points, right? Uh, they that, won 17-3. Uh, to 17-3. So, yeah, Montreal didn't even score. So, it was a pretty good they, game all around. And they got around. their field goal in the fourth quarter. Mm. Right? So, Winnipeg's yeah. defense, you know, really held up. They did give up uh, 270 yards in the air, 93 yards on the ground. Um, but, I mean, in the CFL with so many changes of possessions, like it's easy to, to pad the stats, um, getting the ball down the field, but then your problem is when you get into the scoring areas or, or to midfield to put yourself in a position to score. Uh, Montreal yeah. didn't really do that. Zach Caleros was 15 of 23 for 177 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Brady Oliveira had a good game on the ground, 20 carries for 120 Great yards. Um, Great game. Dalton shown uh, five receptions on eight targets for 86 yards and a touchdown. Drew Wolitarski with three receptions on five targets for 29 yards and a touchdown. Um, so again, shown getting the the bulk of the load um, on offense uh, through the air. And then Cody Fajardo was 17 of 27 for 270 yards and a touchdown with also an interception. Uh, William Stanback had 42 yards on the ground. Cody Fajardo had 40. Um, Kayon Julian Grant had 129 yards in the air. Austin Mack had 115 yards through the air and a touchdown. Um, but again, Montreal, or no, he didn't score a touchdown because it was 17-3. to um, So that's wrong. But, uh, so Cody Fajardo didn't have a touchdown, but he had Is that on the website? Yeah, it's on the CFL website. <laughs> they said he scored a tud? Yeah. Oh, so bad. I don't know what's going on there. Um but, uh, yeah, so Montreal uh, finally loses. I mean, Montreal had not played the best teams to start the season. Um, and Winnipeg, you, you knew Winnipeg was going to come out and try and punch Montreal in the mouth because of, of what happened at home against BC the week before. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Bombers did it. Brady Oliveira on the ground and really holding the Alouettes to nothing. So all-around complete game and... Uh, Mike O'Shea has to be good about how his team responded this week after uh, last week's 24 I will loss. say, though, I will say, uh, I mentioned it, you know, in previous episodes, but Montreal can compete in every game. They're, they're, they're looking like a team that can compete in every game. They have guys who can catch the ball, get open. They have, you know, a competent running game, and their defense doesn't look terrible. Like, their well, defense so- looks offensively look at what they've been able to do with Austin Mack and Keon Julian Grant like a two-headed monster at receiver yeah. um and that's without Tyson Philpot right he hasn't and played Greg Ellingson right yeah and, and Greg, Greg Ellingson right so He's so you have player. more weapons who are coming in now how does that affect Austin Mack and Keon Julian Grant when those two guys come in is Cody Fajardo going to try and push the envelope too much and try and get the other guys involved in the offense um Montreal can compete. They were down ten nothing at the half, um, but just couldn't couldn't put it together. I think we expected Winnipeg to win in this one. You would have liked to see Montreal put up a couple more points, but obviously the weather was a a big factor in this one, and just couldn't get the ball into the end zone. Um, I I wouldn't be upset if I was a Montreal fan about how this game went, um, but I mean you know you want to be in a in a game a little bit more than 17-3 to against a top team if you want mm-hmm. to, you know, prove to everybody that you're going to be a top team this season. Yeah, I definitely think it's still early for Montreal. That's their third, what, third game of the season. Um, 
yeah, it's it's pre- still pretty early for them, and they're still figuring out, you know, how good they can be. Um, but overall, the offense is looking promising. The offense is looking very promising with Kayon and Austin Mack. Austin Mack is pro- rookie of the year. He's, he's, I, he's I thought you were going to say he was him. I thought I thought that's where you were going. I mean, regardless, he's him or the rookie of the year. Regardless, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Regardless, he he definitely has, um, you know, some stuff. Like he, I, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something special about his play. Like the ball goes to him, and he it's like a magnet. You know what I'm saying? He's like a big magnet. The ball just always yeah. is in his hands when it's anywhere near him. So. I like the way he balls. I like the way he plays. Um, he's definitely going to be a problem for the rest of the year, for sure, for um, Montreal. Defensively, holding Winnipeg to just 17 points. Again, we had that conversation about Edmonton, like giving your, your offense a chance to win the game. Uh, Montreal's defense did that. Their offense just couldn't produce. But I will say, I feel like at this point this year, there's a lot more faith in Cody Fajardo's play at quarterback than there was last mm-hmm. year when he was with Saskatchewan. For sure, for sure, yeah. Like, and i I think that's a I think that's a product of him being removed from the juggernaut that is and the pressure cooker that is being a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, like it's like it's it, not pretty. It's one over of those. There. It's like the smallest market in the CFL, but it's it's like equivalent to playing in you know major league baseball it's like playing for the yankees or playing for the lakers playing for the the celtics playing for the leafs right like you know we see it in toronto with what happens with guys here um uh so that happens when you're in saskatchewan and some guys you know i don't want to say that fajardo like folded to the pressure of of being the rough riders starting quarterback Um, but he wasn't he wasn't the right fit for it and that wasn't the best fit for him and I think Montreal is a really good fit for him. I'm excited to see um, what he does. Winnipeg will go to or will go back home. And they'll play Calgary this week. Montreal is going cross country on Sunday to take on the BC Lions at BC Place. Speaking of the BC game. Lions, that wraps up week number four in the CFL. BC goes into Toronto. They strike first. They get on the board. They're up seven nothing, and then they get outscored. 45-17 for the rest of the game. The Toronto Argonauts move to 3-0. and They are heading into their second bye week of the season. And I think at this point, we can comfortably say, until Toronto plays Winnipeg and we see what happens there, that the Toronto Argonauts are the best team in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, you li- you like saying that, don't you? Say I it again. Will, the Toronto Argonauts are the best team in the Canadian <laughs> Football League. <laughs> Yeah. I'll say it a hundred uh, more times uh, as we talk about this game. Yeah, I mean, because they, I mean, they looked like it on, they looked like it last night. They looked like they were the best team in the, the CFO last night. Um, I don't think anyone has put together a performance like that on the offensive side, like run game. I mean, Chad Kelly didn't play lights out, but he, you know, he did enough. Um, run game, wide receivers, you know, played well. D-line, linebackers, DB play, everything. Like, I'm talking about full, every facet of the game. They played lights out. It was everybody was, pretty, was, it was Special teams, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, punt return, touchdown. Yeah, like, and also. It really, it, it, go ahead. No, you could, you could go. I was going to talk about VA. Well, so, <laughs> like, I wanted to kind of talk about that because. I was watching. You were at the game. I was watching yeah. from home. Um, and as I was watching the game, I got this overwhelming feeling. Like, I never felt like the Argos were going to lose. But I had this feeling when the Argos were winning early. Like, BC's going to punch back. Like, we're not done here. Like, we're not going to coast to this win, which they, they, they didn't really do, but they kind of did. Um, and it was that third and one. Um from around midfield, Dominic Davis gets under center, uh, and they have a time count violation. They get mm-hmm. pushed back. They have to punt the ball. Toronto takes it back for a touchdown. And that kind of was the big flip in the game, right? Like, that was yeah. kind of where it was like, okay, Toronto's back, right? Their offense couldn't really get anything going early on. And then as the game went on, 
the benefit of Toronto having, you know, I'll say it, the best run game in the in the CFL right now um, with mm-hmm. A.J. Olette and Andrew Harris um, really benefited da- them down the stretch of the game. Um, mm-hmm. But then that's when it started with Vernon Adams, the, okay, I have to go and make a play because these guys are going to mm-hmm. make plays. And he got a little too careless with the football and put up one of the craziest stat lines I've ever seen. 24 of 39 <laughs> for 388 yards, three touchdowns, and six, six. interceptions. And, it, six you know, and it, it's six. tough to watch. This The sixth one, it's probably the worst because it got returned for a touchdown. And so everybody's looking at it. It's like, man, how did you give up the sixth one and it went back for a touchdown? At that point in the game, they were down by 14. They needed to – like, he had to force it, right? Like, he had mm-hmm. to try and find it. He didn't have it. Um you know, credit where credit's due on Toronto's defense. I'll tell you what, Alfred, um, not a lot of those picks were created by Toronto's defense. Like, a lot of that was Vernon Adams just throwing to the Toronto Argonauts defensive backs. Like, it looked like but, he thought he was wearing light blue at certain points last night. Look at it this way. Look at it this way. A lot of those was him being absolutely disrupted in the pocket. Like Absolutely. You got... You got guys like Costigan and, and, and Hendricks and, and um Oakman. Oakman for Lauren for Lauren just literally just Yo. causing a ruckus yeah. in the in the pocket for him. He was he wasn't comfortable at all. There was um one of the picks, I forget which one it was, is like he broke like three tackles and he stepped them in the pocket and just launched it. And I it think was that just, was, it was I think that was the sixth one that got returned for a touchdown. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like I won't lie. That's like that's like the VA. That's the type of VA like I not expect, we were but that's like the type into the year. Yeah, exactly. That's the type of VA that we expected to see more often this year. But like he was playing lights out, out of body the whole year, and just keeping he was under control. Even against you know Winnipeg, that was crazy. Like I just never expected him to be so even keeled this whole time, and then. You know, it was it took Toronto to really you know make him look like a shell of who he actually has been playing like this whole year. So it it was it was it was crazy to watch in like in person too, and just to feel the momentum shift as well. Um, because there were so many times where it was like, are the BC Lions going to come back? They they put together a little here and there, and then boom, pick. It's like do a little bit of here and there, pick. It's like what? Yeah, like VA was, oh man, that was it was it. I don't know how you throw six. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, that, that, that was crazy to watch. That was well, crazy to watch. And, and it's tough because you see him like, and he, you know, he stands up in front of the media after the game and he answers the questions, right? Like, like what went wrong tonight? He's like, I gotta take care of the football better. And He's then pro. But party, pro. but party, you sits there and is like, is it just, like, is it now clicking in that you need to? take care of the football better like where was that after the third one you know Mm -hmm. like where was that mindset of like we need to take care of the football better here because it's not like for the bulk of the game that they were out of it like it was kind of an ugly score at halftime like it was 20 25 14 but 11 points in in the cfl like that's a two-point converted touchdown which is on the three-yard line for a two-point convert and a field goal right like that's a two-possession game and it just felt like he he but the argos third quarter like I'll give Ryan Dinwiddie all the credit in the world. This Toronto Argonauts team is the best third-quarter team in the league this year. They have only Mm -hmm. given up three points through three games in the third quarter, and I believe they are now, like, plus 32 in third-quarter points. Coming out of halftime, the Argos are ready to go. They don't get Mm -hmm. sleepy. They don't lull into it. Um so I understand where some of the interceptions come from, but it like it, it's a tough, it's a tough stat line to put up. It's tough to, like, uh, you can't cut it any other way. You throw six <laughs> interceptions in a game, like that's bad, man. I mean, that's not good. I mean, it's not good, and it's not good enough many, for a team that was going into the game. And you know, maybe not they were going into the game, but people were going into the game saying this could be the best team in the league. It's like, well, yeah, you can't throw six picks and expect to be the best team in the league going up against one of the other top teams in the league. I want to know how many picks he threw after he got blown up by Darius Pickett. <laughs> right? I wanted to, because, like, that could be a factor, too. He got smoked. Like, Darius Pickett, 
Oh, he, he like, hit him hard. But that so the Glenn Suter did a really good job on the broadcast. And I also want to give a shout out Marshall Ferguson, Glenn Suter for doing all three games um, in Ottawa, Montreal over four days. That's really tough to do. Um, calling games, especially football, is not easy. Um, and so to do three games in four days as the only crew to do it on air um, for the CFL on TSN, uh, really, really impressive. But, yeah, Glenn Suter did a good job of explaining. It's like, hey, he's he's crossed the line of scrimmage. He's a runner. He's not protected by the high hit. And Adarius Pickett didn't hit him high. It wasn't illegal, but he smoked him. Yeah. He destroyed him. Decle- like, it ugh. My favorite is like, oh man, I love that stuff. That shit, that stuff, that's the stuff that gets me fired up. And like how he just he got up and just sullied after. I was like, oh man, that's a, that's an animal right there. Darius, yeah, Darius Pickett. Pickett might be. You know, we were kind of talking about it before we started hitting record. Other than Matthew Betts, he might be the best defense player in the league right now. Yeah, huge pickup. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't huge even know if it's a maybe. Huge pick. No, I, it's. He has, I, I don't know if he has a pick, but I've seen a ball in his hand before. I don't remember if he has a pick, though. But he has he has sacks. He has, uh, you know, open field tackles that are just, like, it's just, like, all-around play is just amazing. You know, his coverage is good. Like, his all-around play, he's just, he's the perfect, like, Sam linebacker. Like, perfect. It's perfect Sam linebacker. He could cover. He's in the, he's in the box. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 chasing every ball like he's everywhere on the field. You, oh my god! Like I I'm just replaying that hit over and over. And then he also hit Hatch, but I think uh, I think one of the Argos took the 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 worst of that blow though. But when Hatch caught that ball, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was Darius uh, Pickett too. I didn't even know. <laughs> Man, he's he is everywhere. And that Sam linebacker spot, like, is such a tough position to play because you have to be able to play in the box, but you have to, like, you have to be able to get out in coverage. Yeah. And, like, you're arguably, arguably covering the toughest position, like, the toughest receiver spot on the field to cover because you're getting yeah, an slot. inside guy who's coming mm-hmm. with, like, in the waggle, and he's coming full speed, and you got to match it. And Darius Pickett just, it seems like every time he's around the ball, he's either making a play on it or he's making a big hit and he's going to make guys think twice or he's going to make quarterbacks think twice of throwing the ball towards him right yeah for sure for sure I'll, um I love it, chad man. kelly love you game. said he didn't have a great game but he wasn't he wasn't bad 23 29 250 bad. yards and a touchdown um the argos really benefited um from defensive turnovers clearly um yeah. but what i was really really impressed with is that they didn't piss it away see a lot of teams where hey we got two interceptions and two fumble recoveries and a block punt on special teams how many points do you get off turnovers 13 right like a touchdown mm-hmm. and two field goals the Argos had like 31 points off turnovers right yeah. so they had 31 points off turnovers you had seven points from punt return and then you had the seven points that the offense actually generated so i get mm-hmm. that there's there's a little bit of concern offensively like hey you only generated seven points BC is has one of the best defenses in the league. There's no arguing that. Matthew Betts is an issue. Um, their secondary is a problem. Um, but the Argos capitalized when they needed to. And getting those 31 points, like if they only scored on points off of turnovers, they win that game, right? So they mm-hmm. did what they had. Like defense did their job, and the Argos didn't throw it away. They went out. They got their points when they could. And they put it in the end zone, and that's all you can really ask, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like they took advantage of every you know opportunity and gift that was given to them, and like they converted on every like almost every time they got the ball. And you can't like you can't be mad about that. Like even for Chad Kelly, like he didn't have you know the best day at the office, or he didn't have a lot of work. But look, you guys have forty five points on the board, like. What are you mad about? There's nothing to even worry about at all. So I was thinking about this one. I, I saw the end of game stat line. I said that Troy asked me the question at the beginning of the year. What was a successful season for Chad Kelly? Like, what would I be happy with? This game was a perfect encapsulation of my answer. Right? I said, mm. I don't need him to go out and be crazy and throw for 400 yards a game. 
I don't need him to throw for seventeen t- like for three touchdowns a game. I need him to be high completion percentage. Don't turn the ball over, and let your guys do their thing. You have weapons offensively. You have a great running backfield. Clearly, a phenomenal <sighs> offensive line, uh, and you have a really good receiving core. And now you have a defense. Right, like I think we were all coming into the year, like what was Toronto going to be, and everything was like strung up on Chad Kelly. This defense carries this team, right? Like this is a this is very much a team. The party starts. Listen, they can get it done offensively. I'm not saying it's a team that is all defense and can't score. This is a team that can get it done offensively. They can get it done, but they get it done defensively. That's where their bread is buttered. And Chad Kelly lets his defense do their thing, and when he gets his opportunities, he lets it fly. And that's the the most impressive part to me. Um, he had two interceptions last week. Comes back this week, no interceptions, right? Um, so, and he only had six incompletions. So, I, I this is a perfect example of what I need Chad Kelly to be. He doesn't need to win the Argos games. The defense yeah. is going to win him games. The running game is going to win him games. Their special teams, Boris Beatty, perfect in the game on his field goal opportunities. This team is um, built to win a championship, and Chad Kelly has done a really good job of knowing how to insert himself enough to be good enough to win football games, but not kind of like what Vernon Adams did last night, lose his team football games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's kind of – I wonder what uh, Dane Evans was thinking on that sideline, man. Um I really, I really wonder because he also. We got to figure this out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's actually funny because another thing too is like this. This Argos defense has caused him some nightmares as well. So like he's very familiar with what happened to Vernon Adams. Like those three picks to the same defender. If he was the other side of the ball is Jamal Peters, he had the same thing against, you know, Dane Evans last year. So I wonder what that, like, you know, that pep talk or that, like, that, you know, that locker room talk is after the game when that happens. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I've been there, been, seen that, done that, you know. I know what you're going <laughs> through, man, and I'll be honest with you. I'm not here to bail you out. I'm cool being on the sidelines. You can ride this one out as long yeah. as it takes. You're going to have to figure yeah. this out on your own. That was yeah. Dane Evans' conversation yeah. with VA on the sideline. Uh, like you said, yeah. Lars Daniels, three interceptions. Jonathan Jones had an interception. Jamal Peters had an interception. Quantez Stiggers had an interception as well. Jonathan Jones was really great um, off the ball as well, made a lot of big plays. Uh, Robbie Smith uh, was phenomenal. Uh, you interviewed him after the game for host CFL. Uh, Adarius Pickett, as always, great. Deshaun Amos was – there was one play – that uh, early in the game, like uh, it was like the third BC possession, and um, VA threw an incompletion on like second and second and medium, like second and seven, and uh, Robertson Daniel didn't make his play. Like wh- whatever he was supposed to do, wherever he was supposed to be, he wasn't there. Ball hits the ground, so Argos forced the two and out, and Deshaun Amos just starts screaming at Robertson Daniel. And so, like, the accountability there defensively of, like, hey, like, I don't care that we just got the incompletion. You weren't where you were supposed to be, and that could have gone for 40 yards if they had completed it. So I was really impressed with that, like, his ability to coach. And then Robertson Daniel goes off and gets three interceptions. Um, Also had four tackles in the game. Thomas Costigan was also phenomenal uh, defensively getting pressures, and then he eventually got a sack. He only had two tackles and a sack, but he was – more involved defensively than his stats show. Um, so I also wanted to give a shout-out to Thomas Costigan uh, from his play. As a as an Argos fan, really, really happy with where this team is right now. Don't love having two bye weeks in the first five weeks of the season and not being back in Toronto for over a month. They don't play another home game until August 14th because their next scheduled home game at the end of July is actually um, in Atlanta, Canada, against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, so it's going to be a long uh, road trip for the Argos coming up here. Um, but I, I think this team has to be really happy with where it's at after uh, five weeks of the season. Yep. All right, uh, so let's move I, on. Before we get into next week's game, Alfred, I want to talk about your dog of the week. There's only two of us. 
Um, so you can pick any guy from the three games. Who do you got your dog of the week? Uh, I'm going. I am going. Shoot, I had this. I, I was going to say a Darius Pickett, but what, three weeks in a row of a Darius Pickett? Come on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Tyree Adams and reason being is because he was doing flips on the field that was insane that was crazy that is insane that, that is was, insane that is like, like during the game when you're the starting quarterback and to do a backflip like that that's wild that's that's the craziest thing I've seen um there wasn't enough media coverage of that just saying yeah. Because I've only seen a gif of it, and I, I'm probably going to have to go back and look, watch the game and find it myself. But, like, dude, like, you're starting QB. Imagine you're, you're, you're losing. Imagine you're, you're an Elks defender. You know, you're losing. Your QB play is atrocious. And then you're looking at the other team who doesn't even really have a starting QB. This guy was this playing guy's... in Japan before, yeah. the, before training camp. Like, yeah. it's not like he was an NFL cut guy. Yeah. This guy was playing in Japan. He's just out there doing flips on you guys. Like, nah, that's the dog of the week because he came out, ran all over Edmonton, and then, you know, got the dub. Like, oh, my God, that's my dog of the week, Tyree Adams, for, you know, doing flips in the middle of the game. Yeah, you know what? I can't uh, I can't argue um, that one. Um, but, yeah, like, the, it was – trying to. I'm just trying to look it up because – like they were talking about it on the broadcast. Um, no, he was playing. Sorry, he was playing for the Selena Liberty of the Champions Indoor Football League. I swear they said he was playing in Japan or somewhere in Europe um, before, like after that. But anyway, yeah, he he was uh, he was crazy. Way to insert himself, and I really liked his answer because you know obviously Jeremiah Masoli's coming back this week. Um, it's his spot, right? Like they paid him a lot of money. Uh, it's going to be one year to the date of his injury, so it's going to be really cool to see him play against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But Tyree Adams, I think, just just put a lot of Red Blacks fans at ease this week of like, okay, we have a backup quarterback that if we need him, and knowing uh, Jeremiah Masoli's injury history, we're probably going to. Um, but they put a lot of minds at ease. So, so good for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Ottawa gets a home win for the first time since September 2021. Um, I know people were upset that that nail was beat to death um, during the game, but I mean it's a it's a big story when you have two teams that haven't won in two years plus uh, in their own buildings. Um, my actually dog of the week is from that same game. I'm gonna go with a combination. Um, the individual I'm going to give it to is Demontre Tuggle, the starting running back for the Ottawa Red Blacks. 17 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown. He was averaging 7.4 yards per carry. But I also want to give a shout-out to the Ottawa Red Blacks offensive line, led by their best offensive lineman in Drew Desjarlais, um, who we played with uh, Team Ontario back in 2013, 10 years ago. Um, they no were pups. phenomenal um, getting it done on the ground. Uh, Jackson Bennett had eight carries for 44 yards. Tyree Adams had three carries for 31 and Dustin Crum had two carries for seven yards. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to the Red Blacks defensive line. Could have given it to Robertson Daniel, uh, as well. Obviously three interceptions in one game is pretty crazy, but I I've been giving it to Argos two weeks in a row. Wasn't going to go with third. And I thought that Ottawa's run game deserves some love after their performance on Friday night at home in their 26-7 win over the Edmonton Elks. All right, let's move on to week number five. Um, first game of the week, the Edmonton Elks back in action Thursday night in Saskatchewan against the Rough Riders, 9 p.m. start. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders minus 7.5 on the spread, minus 310 on the money line. Over-under for the game is 43.5. Alfred, what do you like? Definitely take the spread. I've seen enough from Edmonton. <laughs> I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Alternate <laughs> spread Saskatchewan 13 and a half. Yeah, like, I've seen enough. Uh, Saskatchewan has a competent offense right now. Um, like, 
they got the the the, the combination of Sean Bain, um, Tevin Jones, and Sam Amelis is just playing phenomenal right now. They don't have Trevor Jake Whining playing well. Yeah, well, he's the one who's spreading the rock to those guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that goes without saying. But like Jake Weinick, he's not is not playing this week. But um, I still think those guys get tons of work. Um, and I've like, like they're gonna have the ball so much, man. They're, like it's it's like it's they're gonna they're all gonna go over a hundred yards this week. Well, and and I so mean, this is the this is the weird part of this is like Edmonton's defense has played well enough. Um, Jake Serezna has taken some bad penalties in some bad spots. Uh, to start the year, like he's put his team in in bad spots, but that's the give and take because he he's their best defense player at the moment. Um, yeah. But I will say, like Edmonton's defense can get it done, but like you said, like Edmonton's offense just like Chris Jones said, he's like, well, can't win football games if you don't stay on the field. It's like, well, you put in Khalil State, you still don't anyways. stay on the field. You know, like you your offense can't stay on the field. So. Um, yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Saskatchewan minus seven and a half. I would love it a lot more if it was six and a half or even seven, even to get like the push involved. Um, because like Dude, you be can a get a backdoor cover a pretty easily on a seven and a half. Um, yeah. but I, I, st- I still do like Saskatchewan minus seven and a half in this one. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but. Um, yeah, I, I think another frustrating part just before we move off of Edmonton, frustrating part had to be for Alex fans going into this game. This was the team that we could beat, right? Like Ottawa, you looked at it. No Jeremiah Masoli. They're injured. They're struggling to. This was the team that we could beat, and we lose by 19, right? Like we weren't even close. We weren't even in the game. So <laughs> I think that's where a lot of frustration comes from um, from Edmonton Elks fans. I know we talked about them earlier, Morley Scott, Dave Campbell, who call the games on Edmonton Radio. Shout out to those guys because it's, um, uh, it's some tough football to watch at the moment. Tough. Um, tough. Those those guys I mean, might be the dogs of the week. <laughs> they yeah. might, depending on how it goes on Thursday night, <laughs> the Edmonton media members who have to watch this team day in and day out and then perform um, on the weekends. Friday night, Winnipeg hosting the Calgary Stampeders. Believe it or not, Alfred, this spread is bigger than the Thursday night game. Winnipeg, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against Jake Mayer and the Calgary Stampeders, fresh off a bye, minus 370 on the money line for Winnipeg, plus 300 uh, for the Calgary Stampeders to win outright. 46-and-a-half is the over-under. What do you like? Um, that one's a tough one because, oh, I mean, Dembski should be back, so it, it could, it definitely could happen. But, uh, oh, yeah, Calgary is, they're coming off a bye week and they have a lot of injuries as well. I'm, I'm trying to rack my, you know, I'm trying to make this make sense right now. Eight and a half, that's a pretty massive spread. Um, Especially after they just went, you know, oh yeah, they it's it's Winnipeg. What am I saying? It's Winnipeg. You know, they they're they're gonna win at every home. game at home. They're gonna they just lost at home. They just got destroyed at home. So they're gonna have to give the fans something to cheer about. So I definitely think an eight and a half is doable for them. And we haven't seen enough out of Calgary this year to really be like they can compete in this game. Um, like. The whole game, we haven't seen enough from their defense or their offense. So, um, yeah, I, I do like the eight and a half, um, especially for a team like Winnipeg, who can all at, at any given moment go on a tear for twenty-one straight. Like at any given moment. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a big spread though. I you know it is a big spread. I think I'm gonna wait until closer to the game, and again, kind of what I did when they lost to BC try and get like a plus money parlay going so take winnipeg on the money line probably take uh like a dalton shown anytime touchdown um wait and see what get the claros over under number is um but kind of go that route um because eight and a half is again it's large like it's so tough because you don't just like you don't want to leave yourself liable for a backdoor cover you know like those are the worst yeah. where it's like Last play in Edmonton, kind of, or Calgary just kind of hucks it up, and it's like, oh, all of a sudden it's a three point game with 
four seconds to go, so theoretically they could do it. It's like, well, there goes my What's bet. the most points Calgary scored all year? Oh, that's a really good question. I have it. Uh, so Calgary scored 26 in their overtime loss to Saskatchewan. They scored 26 in their win against Ottawa, and they scored 15 in their loss to BC. So yeah, they have 26 I don't, points. I have twice. no faith in Calgary. I have no faith in Calgary. So if you're going off that, if you think that they can hit their season high in points in 26, Winnipeg would have to score 35 for you to cover. I def and I see I could see them scoring thirty five at in IG field. All right. I mean, look at look at that look at the game against Saskatchewan. That's a perfect example of what I think is going to happen. Like they were Saskatchewan played lights out and they still lost by like what 13, 12, 11? How much did they lose by? The Saskatchewan Winnipeg game. Yeah. Yeah, that was forty five twenty seven. Yeah, and Saskatchewan played. Amazing wow. football. They played they, well. They played well, <laughs> yeah. and they still got smoked. Yeah. Like that's but, something. That's exactly what I expect to happen. But is is that the Winnipeg we're going to see? Because you know, we saw a thirty to six loss to BC. We saw a seventeen to three win against Montreal. Like, has are they going through a growing pain? Is this the week they're? You know, like I'm not saying you're wrong. I agree with your logic, yeah. but I'm just kind of throwing something on the fire to give you, like, yeah. just a cause for thought here. Like, this might be the new Winnipeg that we're seeing. Yeah. Well, well, it, I feel like the 17 to three had a lot to do with the weather the and weather. you yep. know the sure. weather and the missing players. Um. Being Dembski and Agudosi, um, but I feel like with what Calgary's got going on, you know the injuries they have. I don't think they could really, you know, I don't think they're going to move that ball that much on Winnipeg, because um, even Winnipeg's defense is playing. They're still playing pretty good. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They're still playing pretty good for all um, purposes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like B- that BC game could just be a one-off. BC's riding hot. They're riding high, you know. Coming to IG Field and Winnipeg, still thinking they're Winnipeg, and you know they got to tighten up a little bit. So, um, I I see it. I I can see it being a a thing that happens. But yeah, you're right. Um, probably have to see, wait and see what it, it 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 it's like at the end of the week. But also, don't sleep on a Drew Olitarski tut. Um, I had Drew Rolitarski for the first Tud last week, but I messed up. I put in a parlay, man. Hurt my, when I uh, hurt myself. when I had the Dalton show in any time touchdown Winnipeg to win against the BC Lions. Um, whenever Caleros would throw a Rolitarski, I thought it was shown, so I was like, "All right, let's go." And then it wasn't, and I was getting pretty mad. It's like, no, 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 the eighty-three, not eighty-two. The other white guy throw yeah. the yeah. other white guy, the jacked one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so you know what? I think you you, you kind of talked me into that spread a little bit. I I'm kind of liking it a lot more after hearing your rationale. You, you're you're yeah. swaying you're swaying my sales. Hey, I don't know man. why you you like whenever we've been talking about bets recently, mine have been hitting and yours necessarily haven't been. You know, <laughs> you know what? Maybe this is my week, you know? Maybe Man, this was, is my week. I was week. really proud of that at the, that parlay that I cooked up yesterday, like an hour before the game, because I, yeah. I, I hadn't really looked at it, and then uh, Troy sent me a message and said, hey, what are we doing? And I kind of cooked one up quick, and it was a nice $115 win for me, so I'll, yeah. I'll take it. That, I'm proud that, of that. That hurt my soul, man. That hurt my soul because, yeah, because I had the same had, picks. You had the same things except you went under instead of um, – Yeah, the over. You yeah, did an alternate I did an alternate, alternate over, and I did an yeah. alternate Argo spread too. Um, but you took you, get, a you had a little off. security blanket. You put a little yeah. security blanket on. Yeah, and you you took the uh, under forty seven and a half. But I told and I t- when you sent that, I said I don't love the under in this one. Like I I understood the logic where you were coming from on it, but I yeah. didn't love it because I knew the ability of those offenses to explode was just too much for me. Yeah, I think I, I think I have a good grasp on the league now. Yeah, that I could go hey, into. It takes a couple of weeks. You got to get your feet wet. You just got to make sure yeah. that those first couple of weeks you don't lose your whole bank account. That's yeah, the problem. Like, 
I I play with a I play with like a certain amount every weekend. So yeah, yeah, you got your limits. You play within it. That's good. Yeah, um, for sure. Saturday night game. So we have four games on four nights. Uh, Saturday night game, seven p.m. start start in the Hammer, the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, traveling to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, Hamilton coming off the bye this week. Riddled with some injuries. Doesn't look like Bo Levi Mitchell will be ready to go as the team just signed Kai Loxley earlier today. Um, oh, Tiger yeah? Still fit. Yeah, yeah. They added him. He's going to be their third quarterback this week. <laughs> nice. Um, so nice. the two worst teams in the East going head-to-head. This is the closest spread of the week. This is the only spread in the CFL this week before we get to Montreal, B.C. That's uh, within seven points. Um, this is at two and a half in favor of Hamilton. Ottawa is plus two and a half. But that plus two and a half for Ottawa is minus 105. So this spread might be plus three for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Minus three for the Ticats um, before this game starts. Hamilton is minus 140 on the money line. Uh, Ottawa is plus 120. Jeremiah Masoli return game and the over-under is 44 and a half. What do you like? Hamilton's the, the, the favorite? Favorite. Oh, I'm going Ottawa. <laughs> Ottawa straight up? Yeah, I'm going Ottawa straight up. Oof. I'm going Ottawa straight up. I've seen enough from Hamilton. They, they I don't know tough what. Go. Tough go. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> like, And I think Ottawa is building some solid momentum. You know what I'm saying? Like they That win last week was a, a good locker room win. And especially because it was Bob Dice's first win as a the official head coach, so you know they're yeah. playing for they're playing for Bobby Dice for sure. Um, so I definitely think like this week with Jeremiah Masoli, they wanna they wanna ease him in. They don't wanna you know get him all flustered, but you know he's a quality quarterback. He's the better quarterback, I think, even on one leg um, in this matchup. So against Matthew um, Schultz, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, like I think he's the, definitely the better quarterback, the more poised quarterback, and I think he's. We saw what he was doing with them last year before he got injured, um, so I think like maybe it doesn't start right away just like that, but that's something that they could probably work in or work towards during the game, and I still think that's a that's a win for Ottawa. Like, yeah, I'm gonna tell sure. you right now. I think Jeremiah Masoli, whatever his number is, he's going over. Yeah, like he his number could be two ninety nine and a half, and I'll hit the over. Mm-hmm. Like this is like I think he's gonna come in. I think they figured out their running game a little bit last week. Um, Hamilton has struggled a bit against the run, um, so I think Ottawa can kind of get their feet wet on the ground early, and then let Masoli kind of let it fly and build those connections with his receivers. Um, so I'm going to go Masoli over, and I'm, I'm like you. I like the plus 120 for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And, you know, again, this is telling me that I think this is, like, this might increase. Like, I think this might be, like, plus 125 or plus 130 closer to the game based on the plus 2.5 being minus 105. So I don't know what's going to happen uh, in terms of the line shift. But I really, really, really like Ottawa in this one straight up, especially when you get them at plus money. Uh, just for fun, I'm, I'm probably going to do the Masoli over as, as a singular bet, probably not going to parlay it with anything, just because I want the ultimate chaos of his first game back in a year against Hamilton in Hamilton and to go over his number and win. Um, in that Hamilton. would be huge. Yeah, in, in Hamilton. In Hamilton. Like, Ottawa all the way. Give it to yeah. me. Give it to me. This Please. like this this has the makeup for a big story. This would push Hamilton to 0 and 4. <laughs> we might <laughs> there might be some heads exploding on on with members of this podcast. I can't wait for yeah. for next week's reaction if Ottawa wins. I I I can't wait for them to see us predict that the Red Blacks are going to win. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to love that one. Yeah, yeah they're going to yeah. enjoy that they're one. are going to be pumped about it. All right, last game of the week, Montreal Alouettes going to BC. They're going to Vancouver at BC Place to take on the Lions. Lions minus seven and a half on the spread. Probably going to change to minus seven. Um, Montreal is plus seven and a half, plus 260 on the money line. Over under is 44 and a half. What do you like? I don't like that spread. Um, Mainly because like I've been talking about it. I think Montreal can compete in every game. 
So I do not like that spread. But also, there's always a narrative of you always want to get, but you always want to bounce back after a major loss. So it's like, could BC come out and, you know, be firing all cylinders? Who knows? But um, it's also a rematch for VA to face his old team. I mean, it's not that. It's not. I think he's faced them quite a few times already, but, um, you know, that's still fresh. I guess maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's irrelevant, but you know, I, I don't, I don't like that spread at all. Um, I think it's too high um, because I definitely think Montreal could make an upset in that game. Just from what I've seen, saw, just what I, what I saw last weekend or yesterday. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I agree with you. I don't love the spread. If it shifts to minus seven, I think I might dabble on it just because again it brings the push into play like there is a big difference between betting on something minus seven and betting on something minus seven and a half right like that is a huge huge difference and it's the same as like there's a big difference between betting on something that's two and a half and something that's three like it's just Mm -hmm. there's so many things that come into effect when you change it that that half point um Mm -hmm. But I do like BC to win. I think I'm going to go the same way as I'm going to go in the Winnipeg game. I'm going to take them on the money line and then try and find some high-probability alt- alternate spreads um, to uh, try and cook up a, a plus, hundred, uh, plus money parlay. Um, I think – but, I, you know, you're right. Like, Montreal can compete. Um, but there's also that argument, like, they could compete against Winnipeg, but they still lost by 14. Right. Yeah. And I think this is going to be a really good test for Montreal, too, because there is now clear defining lines in the East. The Argos are one. Montreal right now is two. Ottawa is one and two. I don't know if they're better than Hamilton, but we'll find out this weekend. Right. So there's like those clear defining lines. So Montreal has the chance this weekend. Are we closer to Toronto? Or are we closer to Ottawa and Hamilton? And I think that that question needs to be answered. If they cover the spread and lose, or if they win, I think that they acknowledge that they're closer to Toronto than they are to the bottom, even if it's a loss. Um, But if they can't cover the spread, um, they're probably closer to Ottawa and Hamilton, and we're looking at a one-trick pony in the East. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah. You're right. For be, sure. But be realistic. Like there is no other team in the East that's built like the Argos. Yeah, the Argos. There are, are very few teams in the CFL that are built like the Argos. Uh, yeah, the Argos are the, the that's the standard right now for sure. I mean, they're the top. They're going to be at the top of the power rankings. I don't know when the last time that was. Um, I don't know when the last time the Argos were at the top of the power rankings, but yeah, like. That's they are a, a quality team, and we're gonna find out if how quality, how much quality you know Montreal has this weekend, if, with depending on their performance against the BC Lions, um, at game. BC Place. It's a Pardon? statement game for Montreal. Like, yeah, this for is sure. a game like a Sunday night standalone game. This is a Kayon Julian Grant potential, like put me on the map as a as. You know, put me in that conversation for top Canadian receiver, right? Like, this is an Austin Mack. Like, I am a top five receiver in the CFL. Like, this is a game that they have that ability to do that. Will they do it? Will they take advantage of their opportunity? I don't know. You were at the ga- the Argos game. I'll ask you a question. When was the last time you think the Argos started 3-0? and They said it on the broadcast, but you were at the game. So I want to give you the chance to... To think about it, when when do you think the last time they went three and zero to start the season? I don't know. Maybe Ricky Ray was throwing the rock. Ricky Ray, so that would yeah. be like two thousand fifteen to two thousand nine, or uh, no, it would have been like twenty ten to twenty nineteen. So you think in there? Yeah, maybe in there. It's a lot before that, pal. Nineteen ninety one. Oh my God! Is that 19, pinball era? Sixteen years, or sorry, sixteen six years before you and I were born. 
Well, was the last time the Toronto Argonauts started a season three and zero. They beat the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Grey Cup that year. Yeah, the, this is, I mean, this is the way the Argos are playing. Man, I just and the the way their media team is operating too right now is 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 is, is it's looking good, man. I'll tell it's you looking what, though, good. I will like as a fan who has watched every snap of all three games so far this year. I do not believe the Argos are even close to their ceiling. I no. think there's a lot left on the table right now. I mean, KG hasn't even gotten the rock yet, bro. Barely. Barely. Barely hasn't even, been involved. He's not even a part of the this offense team yet. Like. is scratching the surface of what they are. I truly believe that. And it's crazy that they're scratching the surface and they're 3-0. and And, like, three statement wins. Um, before we get out of here um, for this week, just some news. Wanted to give a quick shout-out to Ryan Reeves, who signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs. His dad, Willard, was a very, very good Winnipeg Blue Bombers running back from 1983 to 1987. Uh, He finished second in Rookie of the Year voting in 1983. Um, And then he got into a contract dispute, went down to the NFL for a couple years, moved back to Winnipeg, became a police sergeant, had a couple kids. One of those, Ryan Reeves, new member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. His other son, Jordan, is uh, now a member of the Edmonton Elks as a linebacker. He just signed that uh, the other day. So I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the Reeves family. I didn't know, like I'm a hockey fan, I did not know Ryan Reeves' dad was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, former and uh, pro football player, and I did not know that his younger brother was playing in the CFL either. Um, but pretty cool there. So congrats to the Reeves family on Jordan and Ryan signing some contracts. And uh, shout-out to Willard for being an unreal running back back in the 80s for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Got anything uh, to say before we head out this week? Hey, no, man. Uh, No, I have nothing else to say. Maybe uh, all I got right now is just like, (gasps) oh, yeah. That's going to do it for us this week. Jack and Alfred hanging out with you. On this edition of the Five Yard Halo, presented by the House of CFL, Eating Them Raw, and Showtime Digital, we'll see you after our games in week number five. Peace!